This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by Truth Table. By Truth Table. Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama's pop bookstore. Go buy our book. Everywhere. Period. And the Christian Standard Bible. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. Oh, y'all, see, see, ain't at the table, y'all. But you know what? This table is still built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? I know y'all, y'all, y'all good. Y'all ready. Um, y'all have really been rocking with us during the State of the Black Church interview. I'm sorry, this whole series, I should say. And, um, you know, I am really, really excited about the topic on the table today, which is digital Black Christians. And when we were actually thinking about this series, ironically, this did not actually come to mind for us, even though we ourselves, I, you know, are podcasters and do those social media and all these things. It just did not come to mind. I mean, so my goodness. So we were so happy when uh, Dr. Erica Galt reached out to us to come on the show and we were like, this is a category we just didn't think about, even though this is somewhat, there's some intersection here and some convergence here. So, so anyway, I'm excited about the topic. Digital Christians is on the table and I'm not at the table by myself, y'all. Dr. Erica Galt is here to talk about her book, Networking the Black Church, Digital Black Christians and hip hop. And it is right that I am the one at the table because Christina calls me the hip hop muse at the table. So welcome to the table, Dr. Galt. How are you? I am well. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. So glad to have you here. My goodness. You know what? Before we even dive in, because I have a lot of questions, I think this book is fascinating. Just fascinating. Let me tell the people just a little something about you before we get into it. Okay. Dr. Erica Galt is a scholar of Black religion and culture. She is the assistant professor of Africana Studies program at the University of Arizona. Dr. Galt graduated from the State University of New York at Buffalo with a doctorate in American Studies. Dr. Galt's scholarly work demonstrates a sustained focus on the impact and outcomes of religion and technology in Black life. Her work focuses on the use of online social networks in both the research and curation of religious life among Black young adults. She has delivered keynote addresses and published a number of papers regionally, nationally, and internationally on the topics of hip-hop, religion, and digital ethnography. Given Dr. Galt's innovative approach to ethnography, she was awarded the 2018 to 2019 Louisville Institute First Book Grant for Scholars of Color. Congratulations. She has completed her first single author volume on the digital religious lives of young Black Christians with New York University Press titled Networking the Black Church, Digital Black Christians in Hip Hop. It is the first work of its kind on digital Black religion. She is the co-editor of the book Beyond Christian Hip Hop, Towards Christians and Hip Hop. Other recent publications include My People Are Free, Theorizing the Digital Black Church, which appeared in the spring 2020 issue of FIRE, the multimedia journal of Black Studies, for which she served as guest editor. Welcome to, the, oh, you all can follow uh, Dr. Erica Galt at Erica Galt, or on Facebook, you can follow her at Erica uh, Delise Galt. Welcome to the table, Dr. Galt. Thank you for having me. You have done all the things. And so, and I've heard, I've I've heard about these, these uh, uh, books and these uh, awards. So I feel like, oh, I I know a little something. Um, (laughs) 
so interesting um, about your book is that I feel, and you can let me know if I'm wrong, I just feel like um, Black Christians, um, particularly those, um, I, I guess you could say this, maybe say new iteration of Black Christians are understudied um, mm-hmm. and not, so So you have some, I feel like there's some, some a lot of good documentation of um, black progressive Christians. Um, and you see, you know, some documentation of black conservatives that, you know, but you don't really get the, um, you know, those that are, that still have some of the, the leanings of their black church tradition, but yet, you know, take a little bit, take a little something, you know, from the left and to the, and, and the right. Um, so I, that's why I find your book really, really fascinating. Do you agree that that's an, an area that's kind of understudied or? Yeah, I think the folks at the extreme ends of the spectrum demand the most attention. Um, however, everyone's always constructing and reconstructing their faith and pulling from yes. a number of different traditions and ways of being Black that I really think is understudied. We keep going to some traditional sites to do that um, when the Black church and Black folks are being remade uh, every day. Mm, mm, remade and, oh my goodness, yes, you are absolutely, mm-hmm. both the Black church and Black folks, really, really good. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but before we even go all the way in, you know, we'd like to talk about receipts and credibility <laughs> at Truth Table. <laughs> So I'm wondering, uh, Dr. Gall, if you can um, orient our our listeners and talk to them about your own faith journey, your own relationship Mm -hmm. to the Black church, um, and what what gives you the credibility and the receipts to be able to write a book um, about networking the Black church? Yeah, so (laughs) it's funny that that you should talk about receipts because these these kinds of conversations for me were born out of personal experiences. Um, and in academia, you especially as a junior scholar, you want your work to be legitimized um, and respected. And one of the ways that you do that is kind of fitting into the canon in a way that sometimes makes you detached from your subjects. Um, And that wasn't this. Uh, This was a very personal project for me. And so I really approached it thinking about it, not just as doing this kind of field study of another group, um, but really going into the kind of personal narrative that I had. Um, around the Black church. I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness church that when I went to undergrad um, and graduate school, it felt like it was on the margins of this conversation of what the Black church was. Um, It was a little too loud. Um, It was a little too out of the box economically. You're talking about folks um, often on the um, lower rungs. Um, So 
those kinds of conversations, I, I, I wanted to make them visible, yes. both in Black church studies and in the academy when we talked about this is what the young folks are doing, or this is yeah. what it means to be young and Christian. And they were always going to either white evangelicals or mainline denominations. Come on. Come on. Um, so, so that was my kind of experiences where I wanted to talk about folks who grew up with hooping and hollering yes. and falling all over each other yes. um, and and speaking in tongues um, as an important religious portion of the conversation mm-hmm. that needed to be included because I was seeing it reemerge online. Mm-hmm. So I came along just at the time, by the time I, I got to undergraduate, I felt a call to ministry. And mm-hmm. so I went into a kind of youth pastor position at the church I had grown up in. And it was the kind of church where if you left, you you were going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, that language mm-hmm. and, and that kind of ethos was still there. Yeah. Um, and I saw a lot of people leaving and it was, it was just kind of assumed they were going wow. into the world, you know, just kind of wow. writ large, the, wow. the world. Um, and I wanted to talk about where the young folks were going and how they were finding meaning, mm-hmm. even as I was on my way out mm-hmm. um, and the conversation around hip hop was very important for me because it was the space where the outsiders were hip hop continues to be kind of outside music, if you will, to the black church. And it was also the space where I was articulating my faith and I needed to make sense of that Mm -hmm. um, for myself. What it meant, what was I saying? I was leaving the faith, um, but I I still had this kind of God talk um, that I wanted to do um, and engage in. So I didn't feel myself leaving the faith, but I was definitely leaving this faith. And I, and, and I felt so many of, um, the folks who were my age then, um, who were having similar conversations and looking for similar sites of hope and mm-hmm. new expressions of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so th- those are kind of my receipts. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for spelling out the receipts, you know, um, and just your own journey. And, um, you know, even just the diversity within Christianity, that there's multiple expressions of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's the beauty of the faith. Um, yeah. You know, you could, you could grow up Holiness Pentecostal and then become AME at the, you know, toward the end. Yeah. And guess what? We all go into glory as long as we right. hold on to Jesus. In a few ways, Jesus is holding on, on to us anyway. So, <laughs> but you know, like, I'm not going to preach, but, oh, I guess I already did. But I'm um, so, <laughs> Dr. Galt, so here's the thing, my goodness, your book, I just, it just took me in so many different directions. I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this, I remember. I remember this time. Um, so I, I remember, like, you know, the, the black church has like a little mini obsession with the young folk. What are the young folk doing? What do yeah. y'all think? This is for the young people. You, you hear that on gospel songs. Like, this, this one's for y'all, you know? And, you know like, and so, um, you know, you really took me back, you know, like with, with hip hop and the tension of, oh my God, that's just too much. And you've gone too far. And Kirk Franklin. And I was like, oh my God, you were, you were taking me all the way back. You took me back. <laughs> so I enjoyed, I could hear the, the personal um, nature of this work that although it's an academic work, it is personal um, for yeah. you. There's an intimate knowing, if you will. And meaning making is, 
I think it's, it's a function of being a human being, right, in this world. And so I even we go, even before we go even further, let's define some terms and not let's, but you define the terms. <laughs> some of these terms that are in the book and you do this well. And so I want, because I want to be, be able to orient um, the sisters at the table and the folk in the standing room section so that when we're going in, I know that they know what we talking about. And if they don't, they can rewind and take some notes. And so, so if you don't mind um, defining just some terms, you know, we're talking about meaning making. So let's, let's make sure everybody is on the same page at least. Can you, if you don't mind just defining black church, what you mean by digital black Christians and creative. So maybe those three, because I think we'll be kind of, you know, our, our conversation will, will be swimming between all of these, you know, terms. Yeah, sure. So yeah, that that's important. So in all of these terms, I was pushing back um, on how black bodies, black young bodies, black gender bodies um, are often uh, often receive these kind of limitations and stereotypes and assumptions um, about those bodies and, and narratives and even their epistemologies. Um, so black church as as I'm thinking about it historically has been contained to these seven denominations. You know, I'm also thinking about how the hierarchy in those denominations is often male, often attuned to certain respectability politics and how there are people groups and whole histories that have shaped the present black church that are on the margins or have been excluded from or have not paid into nor have allegiance to that black church. Mm -hmm. And how do we make sense of them and make room for them both in in our um, histories, how we retell the history of the black church and how we continue to imagine it today. You know, mm-hmm. um, so the black church, as I see it, is more than a physical location or more than embodied in seven denominations and ha- always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we need to talk about that black church to really understand it um, and understand where it is mm-hmm. going, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the mobility of the black church is really important for me for thinking about a black church that was bathed in the history of slavery and struggle. Mm-hmm. A black church that met in hush harbors mm-hmm. um, was, was this furtive kind of location that continued to, to transition or continue to move. So we understand how it keeps moving mm-hmm. its continued mobility right now in the digital, Mm. that what we're seeing manifested in memes and uh, Facebook groups, and even this podcast Mm. um, are manifestations of that black church. Um, So that we're not looking to see, oh, all the black millennials, they're leaving the church. You know, Mm. which church? You know, they're leaving churches, mm. but have they left um, the history, uh, the, 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 the wide construction, the full landscape of the black church, or are they reimagining it in other ways? And so I define the black church as this literary and temporal kind of site um, that it, it's, it's, it's mostly in the um, text that you find. 
um, online, uh, these spaces that people create for a little bit of time to talk about black church things that have happened, you know, um, like um, the the controversy around Kirk Franklin and his son. The black church got together for a little bit of time and set what they thought about that, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm looking at those more temporal and mobile sites as the black church. My next definition won't be that long. The black church is hard because we all think we know what it is. Oh my um, goodness. Oh my goodness. We look, let's park there. We are precious about it. You know, it, it's like blackness. You know, it's like blackness. You know how we do this. It's a bad habit. But we be taking people's black cards, and we ain't got <laughs> taking people's black cards. But it's true. It's like if you had, if you didn't grow up like I grew up in the black, then you know right. black church. We do that. It's it's, it's a thing. It's a problem. Okay. <laughs> and 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 people have been in the black church and haven't signed their name on any role. And how do we talk about? Mm their kinds of traditions and histories in association with that church, you know, um, in these larger ways, as opposed to um, who's in and who's out. Um, It has to be larger than that. Um, And then digital black Christian was my way of um, rethinking the term millennial. Okay. Um, which is largely whenever people are say, this is what millennials are doing, or this is where they're going. And I was thinking, I'm I'm allegedly a millennial and I'm not doing that, you know. And and I started finding out that most of the statistics were um largely defining white millennials. Um and the only time that we really add definitions around race is when it's black folks, people right. of color right. um doing things. Um and so I wanted to be clear about saying here's another group that actually just an aside, we used to call the hip hop generation. And so Suddenly they got kind of susumed into this is what all millennials are doing. So um, I wanted to talk about that hip hop generation as what it has always been attached to black youth culture, um, hip hop, um, and think about the, um, it's kind of digital manifestation, how they often live Mm -hmm. online and use technology and even, um, a, a lot of this work has been making visible um, Black folks um, in the literature because we're not, haven't been for a long time um, associated with technology, mm-hmm. uh, even though the people that have to survive are usually um, the biggest technologists mm-hmm. because um, just for reasons of survival, they need to learn the technology. And a lot of these folks that got online early were pushed out of the black church, um, didn't find space and white spaces, and so created their own online. And so this true use of technology that black Christians have used re- requires and really deserves some other kind of name. They're not just millennials. Um, so thinking about them as digital black Christians who are doing this kind of work. Wow. God, thank you so much for that breakdown. Because I think it's, I mean, it, there was a lot in there just talking about how, you know, how we police who is black church who ain't <laughs> and how that needs to stop. Um, and then how the black church is often has historically been confined to the seven, you know, um, um, denominations and, you know, and just, and so I, yeah, that there's a lot. Thank you for orienting us for this mm-hmm. conversation. You know, um, as I was reading your book now, I'm the type of person that reads a book from the uh, preface, the intro to the, the meat, then the conclusion. Cause 
Right. I, that's how I read. Okay. And so <laughs> maybe that's because I'm a writer and I know what it takes yeah. to write an introduction. And so <laughs> and that's, well, that's the hardest that. part. Yeah. <laughs> that's the hardest part for me. I don't, you know. But anyway, um, <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to just kind of read the arguments of of the book mm-hmm. that you lay out here, and then we could just talk about that and let's go into the conversation. Now that we are oriented and we know oh. the definitions, let's go in. Um, so I'm reading the introduction here, um, and you're just you're laying out the arguments of the book. You you write to make this case. I present two main arguments in this book. First, using the term web work, meaning networked racial religious performativity. I argue that any full understanding of the contemporary Black church must offer a robust consideration of the role and impact of technology in the lives of young adult Blacks around identity, community, authority, and authenticity. And second, Digital developments among this group suggest that intimacy, spiritual, fraternal, and or sexual closeness guides religious life in the digital age perhaps more closely than we realize. This book explores young adult Black Christians' quest for such intimacy through relationships, identity, visibility, and valuation. So this, well, actually, let me just finish that last sentence, sorry. Their experiences point point more broadly to emerging patterns around intimacy seeking and intimacy building that currently inform American, I'm sorry, American digital religious life, end quote. Can you unpack that for us? Uh, us, us regular degular people at the table. Um, can, you, can you unpack those arguments and especially the yeah. intimacy? That's just, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. So in a nutshell, mm-hmm. this this idea of web work um, says the same things that we needed um, during the period of the Great Awakening, during the charismatic movement, yeah. um, the same things around meeting the divine um, in an intimate way are still necessary. Mm-hmm. And so um, this, this assumption that people have left the only space in which they can meet God, um, as, as, as a, as a false one, Mm -hmm. um, is really being taken up here as people have meaningful connections to the divine in each other, Mm -hmm. um, in digital spaces. Um, and not just saying that that is happening, but really beginning to look at the way that, that that's happening, through rebuilding one's identity, mm-hmm. um, this notion of the Imago Dei um, that becomes really important in conversation. Um, this um, idea of communities, what I call digital discipleship, uh, that happens as people join on um, to certain groups and certain uh, religious traditions um, are all ways that people have an intimate encounter with the divine. Mm. Now, Dr. Gold, can you give us some, uh, are there any salient stories or um, that come to mind where you're talking about this, like this intimacy and this, you know, this web work. Are there any, now, and then let me put my cards on the table or truth tables cards on the table. We do have a digital uh, Facebook black women's discipleship group, you know, because mm-hmm. in light of the pandemic and people, you know, have been, you know, um, you know, we're not able to go to church, you know, you know, you know, I ain't got it. We're living it. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> so we do have that. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Are there any like salient examples um, to bring home like web work for um, the sisters at the table? 
Yeah, definitely. So you take an example like that um, and really consider what are um, your patrons getting out of that? Why do they um, subscribe to that? Um, But it is this this hope of an encounter um, that will open up this this divine kind of space. You know, you Mm -hmm. want community Mm -hmm. with each other. So to be in this kind of fellowship um, with one another. Um, this kind of horizontal relationship, but also um, how do I meet God uh, through this kind of encounter? Mm -hmm. And we really have to consider those engagements as comparative in the past to why you had church auxiliaries, Mm -hmm. um, why the mother's board was so important. Um, These kinds of groups built community for us that were supposed to get us to God in large part, Mm -hmm. you know, um, those kinds of structures creating unity and spaces to encounter the divine. And so wherever we see those kind of digital encounters, it's happening again. The importance of those, um, is seen in what happens when people feel like I'm now detached from the community for even for any numbers of, number of ways. Yeah. And we began to see there was this loss of intimacy. I'm thinking of um, one example mm-hmm. um, just a few months ago uh, with Joseph Solomon's um, announcement that he was leaving Christianity. Yeah. And you can just think of the number of crying emojis mm-hmm. um, that incur following that. Mm-hmm. And those emojis, that, that, that was the field work. That was the field site right there mm-hmm. where you could really begin to think about the intimate encounters that people felt they had right. and the way that was expressed in emojis where yes. people felt like I have lost the intimacy yes. that I had not only with this person, but with God. This was how I came to God. How can I go on um, if I don't have this kind of connection anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was, that, that's a great point. That is such a great point, mm-hmm. which actually something I was going to bring up a, a little bit later in the interview. And I'm still mm-hmm. going to God, God, that's a question. And so <laughs> that's great. You know what? Let's take a quick commercial break, y'all, because mm-hmm. wow, I just, this is really fascinating. Let's take a quick commercial break. We will be right back at the table with Dr. Erica Galt. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation is a classic in the making, according to Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggett, author of Black Joy. Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Jamar Tisby, says that people often say, listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co-founder of Girl Trek, says this, There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment, made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin-Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. 
by Truth Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberation wherever books are sold. See, I know that you get questions all the time about Bible study and how to study your Bible. What do you tell the people? Well, you know what? First of all, I'm excited that they want to study, right? But I also recognize that, you know, one of the things that really used to intimidate me about just studying scripture is that I would just, I would get overwhelmed with the text, right? And so one of the things I emphasize to people is to get yourself a a translation of the scripture that's easy for you to read, right? Because if it's easy for you to read, right, and there's accuracy as well, right, then you're going to enjoy reading. You're going to be more likely to sit at the table and open up your Bible and do that. And the the Christian Standard Bible, for example, is easy to read, making it more likely for you and I to stick with our actual Bible reading. How about you? Well, yeah, you know, um, you're right about that. This The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, CSB, is a Bible translation for everyone, uh, wherever you are in your faith. And we know that people at the table are at different points in their faith and maybe even have some struggle opening up their word. And so the CSB's translation is for you, as this Bible has several editions and resources to help you along your journey of lifelong discipleship to Jesus, which is our goal here at Truth's Table. In addition, the CSB offers dozens of different editions to help readers engage with scripture in new and different ways. So if you're a journaling person, they got journaling by hey. If you are a meticulous study, if the studier, if you are a Berean, they got study Bibles. Hey, hey. Uh, they have commentary Bibles, just to name a few. There's an edition for everyone. So E, where can people go to get the Christian Standard Bible? They can go to csbible.com. But repeat it one more again. That's csbible.com. Y'all, we are back at the table with Dr. Erica Galt talking about networking, the Black church, okay? Digital Black Christians and hip hop. All right. So, um, my goodness, this has been such a rich conversation. And we had a rich conversation during the commercial break. And so, (laughs) just talking about the mobility of the Black church, Mm -hmm. talking about from the African shores through the Middle Passage to now, okay? So, the church. The Black Church has been mobile, y'all. Let's let's hold on to that reality and historical fact. How about that? Um, so, I, you know, what was interesting here in, in the book was this betweenness. I don't know if I want, to, or maybe maybe even twoness. If I'm gonna pull on Du Bois, um, that digital Black Christians um, felt or expressed in their in their work, in their spoken word, in their maybe in their raps and can you talk about that between this like and how maybe how it differs from maybe like um I don't know regular degular <laughs> um black Christians that are not necess- that you wouldn't necessarily um categorize as digital black Christians can you speak to that um you mean in terms of those that operate both online and 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 physical locations yeah like like there's there's this at least the ones that are forward facing like there are some you know some examples of some of your subjects that talk about this betweenness right they don't quite fit in even though they were in white evangelical worlds or in those spaces they didn't fit in because you know racism. Um, and then they had critiques, you know, of the black church, you know, that right. they had grown up with or come to experience or maybe didn't grow up in, but maybe 
um, matriculated into, right? Because of the faith. So just kind of like they, this, this not feeling like this otherness, I guess you could say, or this yeah. betweenness that they were feeling. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about that? Um, cause it seemed to be like yeah. a theme, um, among digital black Christians, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong or that's a wrong read on that. No, definitely. So it's interesting that you should talk about it as betweenness because um, what I thought was going to happen was when I wrote my dissertation uh-huh. that that would be the book, and I use this term called betweenness to talk about this this liminal space yeah. that I couldn't quite name that they seem to reside in. Mm-hmm. Um, a decade later, um, <laughs> this this was the the book that came out, yeah. um, and and I had to keep rethinking what what do we call them and where do we put them? And I was having some of the same mm. um, issues that people were when they decided we'll just call them um, millennials. But I wanted to really do justice to these black bodies yeah. and, and 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 kind of stories, um, and and kind of sit with. Uh, the difficulty in in naming and knowing this group because they too were walking um, this this kind of shifting ground that is just adulthood, you know, yeah. um, and 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 they were changing and growing, developing into into um, uh, who they who they were going to be, and 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 there's kind of shifting notions of God and theology and all mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. wonderful things that just life does. Um, so I talk about them as being in between, uh, to, to kind of sit with process, um, and, um, also thinking through not where you were going or where you were, um, coming from, but just that space in between, um, where you're figuring things out. And a lot of the folks that I was looking at, were really misfits to these two spaces, not mm-hmm. accepted in white evangelical spaces, even though those were the spaces that had um, both the resources and the kind mm-hmm. of progressive stance to allow them um, some latitude in their faith walk and their kind of development, but also the black church, which felt like home and was the site where many of them came from and their identity was shaped. Mm-hmm. And so this was a way for talking about how they were drawing from these worlds and the construction of a new self. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is really, really fascinating. Um, and I think, uh, I think what I admire is the, um, the time you took to really try to understand, you know, um, mm-hmm. your subjects because, I think there is a way that we can mishandle people's stories, people's mm. narratives. Um, um, you know, and when we don't really take the time to really like, okay, let me get a handle. Even though, like you said, the the the, the ground beneath them is shifting, right? Because they're they're they're, mm-hmm. they're making meaning, right? So yeah. because they're in between. So I just I I, I did want to um, make sure that I I mentioned that because I do think that you um, did a good job of trying to handle and and. Um, of trying not to mishandle, right? Their narrative and try to understand them on their own terms. Um, even when that was hard. that's hard to do, that's yeah. hard to do, right? Can you talk, yeah. you know, why don't you go ahead and talk about why that was hard? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my one of my advisors, um, on my dissertation would often talk about this notion of coming clean, mm. um, in your work. 
of saying your positionality of kind of naming it. And, and so I was very vocal, I think in the text about saying, here's where I'm coming from about being someone who both loved the black church and in some ways was harmed by the black church, Mm -hmm. um, identifies as a black Christian woman. Right. Um, and Christian continues to, to shift for me, Mm -hmm. um, and sitting in that place with, um, those that I was studying, um, that they were changing and thinking about what those changes would mean for how we, um, construct certain identities, mm-hmm. um, particularly uh, with thinking about folks like Jackie Hill Perry, mm-hmm. um, because the groups that I was uh, studying, um, some of them were very vocally so um, harmed or felt that they were harmed by um, her testimony. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to really consider both the ways that she had opened up this new space um, in black digital spaces and and in the black digital church Mm. to have a conversation that we just hadn't had. We have have, we have had several conversations around sex, but not really sexuality in this kind of platform. Um, And so I, I think of um, her um, poem uh, testimony um, my life as a stud is this kind of watershed moment um, yeah. in the digital black yeah. church uh, where you began to see uh, this kind of conversation, this needful conversation happening. Um, but there's a whole other group of folks like Unfit Christian, mm-hmm. um, for instance, um, that felt really hurt by that because there was mm-hmm. a continuous um, uh, pushback in the black church mm-hmm. um, from LGBT on LGBT folks mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and queer folk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so felt deeply wounded by this. So I wanted to really sit with that in between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of being a millennial um, and being on both sides of the fence for a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And how do we talk about sexuality in the digital, Mm -hmm. um, whether you agree or disagree, Mm -hmm. uh, with that testimony. And what did that do from that point forward? Like how, what kinds of conversations were people able to have? How far were those conversations now able to go? What what are the boundaries Mm -hmm. that we get to now have in Christian black communities around sexuality? Mm -hmm. What boundaries remain? There's some places we still just don't go in some spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, And what do we do and how do we marginalize the folks who have gone by those, going past those spaces and continue to also define what the digital black church is. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so it was, it was hard to do that. And I know um, looking at that chapter, um, some will enjoy that, that conversation was had and some will say um, that it didn't go far enough in giving Jackie Hill Perry any credit. You know? right. yeah. yeah. I mean, no, but you're right. You're right. There is, um, she did open up um, a, the conversation. Absolutely. And opened mm-hmm. up a third way. It's, mm-hmm. it's a polarizing issue. It, it is it's mm-hmm. a polarizing topic. People going to be mad. Somebody's going to be mad. You know, it, it just, yeah. it's so, it's difficult. It's, you're talking about people's identities. That's, yeah. you're going to have 
um, mm-hmm. some serious, serious, um, you know, uh, um, even some recalcitrants, you know, you're, you're going to have some visceral responses, <laughs> um, uh, um, regardless. And so, yeah, so I think, but I think you're right though, um, to name, to name that, that reality and that, or that historical, you know, um, reality. Um, I'm curious about, um, there is a section here that where you, you, you talk about anti-intellectualism and how, you know, initially when you started studying, it was like you were, you know, picking this up, but then on further inspection, you're like, huh, wait a minute. Let me, let me, let me go a little bit deeper. And so why don't I just read your words back to you? And so (laughs) I have a book here. You have a whole book here. Okay. So (laughs) called networking the black church. Y'all really should read it. It is fascinating. I I think it's fascinating. So, um, you read this and I'm going to say, you say this actually, um, in, in the introduction. And so this is why y'all got to read introductions because it's honestly, I feel like the juicy stuff be there, but okay. When I first began this study, I was struck by the anti-intellectual strain exhibited in more than a few interviews and in online content produced by digital Black Christians. I was like, oh, stamps. Okay. Upon further analysis, I have come to recognize the stance as a pushback against an intellectual community that often overlooks, diminishes, or dismisses this group's lived experiences and its rootedness in a spiritual understanding. Scholars, myself included, must resist the urge to view these young Black Christians' ideological leanings and practices as anti-intellectual or unenlightened. We gain far more by considering their beliefs and practices as pointing to other ways of knowing. So I would love for you to just, um, because I I was like, do I want to go further? But let me, Let's let me just park there because you do go on to talk about you know epistemology and you know other conclusions, but yeah, just other means. Can you talk about other means of knowing? And that's why I really did appreciate this book because you, I did not get an air of elitism. You know how this can be, particularly in academia, academic books that have to do with religious thought, especially black religious thought. There is a sense in which we're looking over and down at. Um, and I did not get that um, yeah. from you. I feel like you entered in um, on level ground, the same ground and footing, just seeking understanding. Um, yeah. So, yeah, can you talk about just this, the tension of the of what you thought was anti-intellectualism, but you had to go deeper and maybe check yourself a little bit? And so, yeah. So I'll I'll tell I'll tell a story briefly. Sure. Um, I was uh, presenting early findings of this work at a conference, and um, I played Lecrae's Church Clothes. Um, That's actually which my favorite album of his. Mm-hmm. I, I love <laughs> it. It has this one line um, about um, uh, about gay preachers um, who, who closeted homosexuals, um, and. My presentation okay. was was over. They wanted to hear about that. They wanted to know what I felt about that. They wanted to know what he was really saying about that. Okay. Um, wow. And and I, I I promised myself that two things: like I would never let someone <laughs> totally just kill my presentation yeah. like that on a single thing that was oh, not wow, the topic. Wow. And I would think more critically about how certain topics were presented um, 
what we thought about black Christian groups, mm-hmm. you know, um, that they were diverse and we couldn't just collapse them into these, these kind of monoliths. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are the, the, the anti-gays, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, um, exactly. and those are the pro LGBT mm-hmm. folks. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have this complex conversation mm-hmm. and, and leave them really complex. But I began to understand that the Academy doesn't allow us that kind of complexity and black scholars sometimes fall in with the wrong, <laughs> with, with the wrong uh, theoretical camps, there, Dr. you know, That's fact. Um, and, fact. and begin to look at ourselves in the same detached ways um, that white scholars do. Um, and, and, and so I really wanted to say, wait, wait a minute. Are we, are, is this what we're doing to black folks when we come out of the same communities, realities, and have had the same struggles, you know? Um, so we can't always enter critiquing. Um, and then I was showing up um, as an insider, outsider, I was an insider as a black Christian woman, but I was also an outsider because I was coming in as a researcher. And so there was this immediate suspicion of, okay, what what are you here for? What are you trying to um, take away? And how are you going to write about us? That in some rooms where I was doing field work, when people knew of my presence, there was always like, I don't care what the world says about, you know, what we're doing. Um, that, that at first I was reading as, oh, okay, why you don't care about the literature. And then I started thinking like, how do you perceive me in this space? Like, what, what does it mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not just a black woman in this space. I'm an ethnographer. I'm studying you. Yeah. Um, and black folks haven't always shown up well when researchers come and study them. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that hasn't worked out mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, that's true. we always heart back to, to, to uh, Tuskegee, yeah. you know? Um, so, so I really wanted to consider why there was a pushback and thinking about black people fully as complex beings. What what did that look like to keep doing that work and to ask my colleagues and academic um, sister and brother friends Mm -hmm. um, to really consider what we were saying about young black Christians, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, so good. So rich. You know, um, I love the part about, (laughs) about sometimes we end up, on the wrong sides. And so, you know why? But sometimes, sometimes it's a choice because there's a bag connected to it. There's yeah. a bag connected to it. Much pay, mm-hmm. much sex. You know, some, sometimes <laughs> it's like, wait a minute now. Um, so anyway, but uh, I'm going to digress. Um, so, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, so, I, so I was just reading this book and I was like, who? You know, uh, I was wondering, I know, I know it just came out, you know, this year, but, but the research, it takes years. To, when did you start doing the research? Actually, let me ask you that. When did you start? And then when did that stop? And then for you to compile it, cause it did come out in January of 2022. Yeah. So when did you start this? Cause I'm curious about the timeline because so much has happened since then. <laughs> yeah. So it's this two year ethnography, okay. um, of doing fill work. Um, yeah. So I I started uh, twenty eighteen. Okay, and uh, it ended about January of uh, twenty 
20, I would say. Um, And it was interesting because when I got back uh, edits, then we were in the pandemic. And so it kind of closes there. It gave me a chance to respond to some of what was happening in in real time. But the ethnography itself was uh, going on site to um, different events um, and then following people across the web um, who who had said it was okay to follow them um, for ethical reasons. Um, yeah. And, and then I wrapped up in, in the beginning of 2020. Awesome. Okay. So yeah, I, you know, I was, while I was reading it, you know, because like, like I said, or, or I, I might've said, I don't know if I said it on the show, but a lot of the, the subjects, um, in your book are either friends at the table or have, um, come to the table, uh, on, uh, in the past or we're associated with not every single one, but, you know, or we have some sort of loose association somehow. Um, and so I was curious just about this is, and this is my last question. <laughs> I'm curious about the changes that some of the subjects have undergone, right? We're not static human beings. We're always changing and shifting. Some of, some of the subjects, you know, are no longer identify, you know, even as Christians yeah. or, uh, or, or are now are openly now, um, um, queer identifying. Like, I'm just curious about, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, just those changes. What do you make of the, of those shifts and changes of the subjects, um, in your book? And I guess my tail and second question is, um, who would you, how, who would you add maybe now, now, if you were doing the book now, uh, during the research of the ethnography, who would you add maybe, you know, to the book? Who would you take out or well, actually, okay. No, no, let me not, sorry. Don't answer that one. Sorry. Don't answer that. Sorry. I just be asking the questions. And then, <laughs> don't add that. Don't answer that. But who would you add to it or how would you, or would you, would your argument shift? You know, I'm just curious. There's a lot that has happened since this pandemic. There's a lot that has happened yeah. and it's still happening because we are still in it. Um, so I'm just yeah. curious of just about what do you make of that? The changes they've, the subjects have undergone, who would you add? How would you, you know, um, how would the book, change if you were to actually start the research now? Wow. Yeah. So the pandemic, (laughs) the pandemic, well, I would definitely do it, you Mm -hmm. know, because I was trying to get tenure. (laughs) (laughs) So I would still do the book. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's a yes. Okay, great. (laughs) But I think Everyone was transformed by the pandemic. So it was really interesting, the changes everyone went through. But by virtue of being in their 20s and 30s, in large part, everyone was going through these kind of shifts anyway. So the section on um, uh, God told me to move to Atlanta um, was, was really fitting because just about everyone I interviewed or included had or was about to move to Atlanta at that time. Um, so, so they were going through these kind of life shifts um, and, and, and changing identity or how they thought about themselves yes. or even how they thought about the faith that just added like this really, as, as, as a researcher, you're like, wow, fascinating. Yeah, so I, I think, I would go into that a little further. So I talked about movement people were making around the faith because I thought the work hadn't been done enough on black Christians, but I would continue to move 
outside of the faith in defining exactly what does it mean to be a Christian, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly when someone decides not to wear that name anymore. What are they giving up and how are they reconstructing their spiritual or religious identity? Mm -hmm. And I will also include what shows up kind of at the tail end, but was having a major impact on the kind of work I did. Um, more as I as I mentioned earlier on groups like Unfit Christian, right? Um, Danielle Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, I would include a lot more on those kinds of groups because yes. they're very black church, yeah. even as they um, deconstruct uh, their religious identity mm-hmm. um, and might even identify as atheist or agnostic. Right. And the reality is those kinds of groups still continue to influence the notion of what the black church is yes, and black sure. church identities Absolutely. within those, those groups that still identify um, as Christian. Mm, yeah. That's really, really good. Yeah. Um, I, mm. I, I love, I love, 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 love that, um, that addition. Cause I, you're, you're actually right. If you're talking about the digital black church, they, that would definitely um, be an important, I would say, inclusion um, to your point. So yeah, so this was, oh my goodness, Dr. Gall, I could keep talking about this because I just think it's so fascinating. I'm so glad that you came to the table to talk about digital Black Christians because this is a significant aspect of um, the Black church uh, in, in, this, in the digital age. I don't know how you, <laughs> if we're going to talk about the next generation, we're talking about from you know, maybe X, tail end of X, no, 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 X, X actually X, millennials, mm-hmm. the Z, uh, mm-hmm. you cannot, you cannot talk about the black church without talking about um, how we do church in the digital age, right? And on social yeah. media. So I think that's, that's really, really, really fascinating. I'm so glad you wrote this book. And can you talk to our um, sisters at the table, our standing room section folks about how they can follow your work? Well, actually, why don't you, I'm going to ask you this. What do you think is the future, the landscape of digital Black Christianity? And then you could tell them how they could follow you, buy your book, and all of that. Because I'm I'm curious about if you can just kind of. I know y'all look at the past and you're doing some research now, but can you can you foretell? What do you? I mean, what do you see on the horizon? Do you see anything on the horizon yeah. for digital Black yeah. Christianity? I would just say. Um, Wherever people stand in terms of their theology, um, their kind of doctrines, whatever their kind of borders or frontiers are around their faith, Mm -hmm. um, there is a LGBT, queer church, female forward church Mm -hmm. um, that needs to be recognized as a part of not where the black church is going, but where the black church is. Mm. Um, And that everybody needs to do their work around that. Mm. Um, It is a church that can no longer be avoided um, or someone else's responsibility Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, or we minister to these folks over here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's not a concern of our ministry. That is just where the church is headed As you look online and what the church already is. Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't have to get your stance ready. Um, If, if, if I might preach a little bit, (laughs) just, just get your love ministry together. (laughs) Like, like figure out how to love on folks better 
then what is the stance um, or the statement that we're going to make about folks? Because that church is present. Um, and, and whatever you believe about it, um, it requires attention because it will become and is becoming the central voice of the church right now. We look at every religious movement mm-hmm. that has occurred and right now, and I think we're overlooking an awakening that's happening online post-pandemic mm-hmm. um, where that kind of church is moving forward. This is the next awakening um, that is happening for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really when we think about where the church is, we can look at what's been happening in the digital. These are the folks that were already put out of the black church and they've been online, you know, women right. Right. and queer folk. Mm-hmm. They've, they've been in the online space and were more prepared for the pandemic than most other churches because of that. Yeah. They're now the leaders. Gotcha. Um, and it, it's going to take a couple of years before we see it all, but they're the leaders of the church. Um, so we, we really going to have to um, think about what that means and even what God is doing um, in this season, why he allows certain things in certain moments um, to get us to rethink uh, the nature of our faith and our relationship mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. to God, um, to the divine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's my, thank you. That's my short. Yeah. Story. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And love, love is in order. Love is in order. Yeah. And you're right. This, this is happening. You see this, you know, um, mm-hmm. other denominations trying to wrestle with this AME included, like, um, this is my denomination. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, uh, wrestling with this thing, you're absolutely right. You know, thank you, Dr. Gold. Can you talk to our sisters at the table, standing room section folk, tell them how to buy your book, where do they buy your book, and how they can follow you Thanks. and follow your work and yeah. all the, because not just the book, there's journal articles and talk to the people. Yeah. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, Erica Galt. Um, and you can also uh, purchase the book on Amazon.com. All just right. put in the title. All yeah. right. All right. And the book is, let me hold it up. Networking the Black Church, okay? Digital yeah. Black Christians and Hip Hop by Dr. Erica Galt. Thank you so much for coming to the table, Dr. Galt. Uh, Thank you. Yes, it was a pleasure to have you. A pleasure to have you. And of course, I want to thank our sisters for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. I know y'all going to have a lot of thoughts. Okay. Um, tweet us your thoughts about State of the Black Church, Digital Black Christians with Dr. Erica Galt using the hashtag Truth Table. Black women, did y'all know we have, well, I bet, well, you do know we have a Black women's Facebook discipleship group because I said it on the show and I'm saying it again. So go to Facebook, like our page, and go ahead and answer the entry um, questions. Okay. So we ain't got no problems in the group. Okay. Um, invite your friends. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table. Email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings and watch this episode at patreon.com slash truthstable. Or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. Our video producer is Daryl Bradford. And we have been your hosts, Akemini and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.